0: Check mic, check mic, one, two, one, two, and go. (laughs) Vipika Dim, welcome to Lost in our 40s. This is a podcast giving Kenyan women a voice on growing up and liking it, or at least trying to. (laughs) I'm your host, Shiro, and each week we shine a light on ways we can try and make life work better for us. Grab your favorite drink, and let's chat for a while. Karibu. Today in our episode, we move a little to the dark side and it's an unhappy dark side. Actually, it's a super important topic that doesn't get much um, airplay and it's coercive control, coercive control. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and um, it came out that she had never heard of it. And i thought about it and i realized that i only came to know about this thing as a term because i happened to watch a documentary a documentary that um, touched on it the documentary was called uh, see what you made me do Um, and it was by an australian journalist looking into um, domestic abuse and domestic violence and we hear a lot about um, what is it called gender-based violence. We hear a lot about domestic abuse, but well, we don't hear that much about um, emotional control and emotional abuse. And this area of coercive control is a super fine and refined area within um, within emotional abuse. Probably all kinds of, um, violence stem, uh, from emotional abuse. It's, I mean, I'm absolutely not, (laughs) I'm not a professional in this area. And you know, again, what I, what I've seen comes from uh, a documentary uh, mostly, but there are a lot of people who wonder, you know, why, why, why do you sit there and get beaten? Why don't you walk away? And hopefully, the ones who've been looking more into the topic—it's that would be a very um, insensitive question to ask. But and hopefully, you would look a little more into the topic and try to get um, that information instead of 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 raising that with someone who's gone through this kind of situation. But I touch on coercive control because it is so invisible. It's something that is almost impossible to 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 recognize even as you go through it yourself it was really insane in that documentary there's um there's a girl she was quite young when she was going through it i don't quite remember the details I, i should have checked her name and the details but she um i think was in her 20s when she met this guy and within six months her life turned completely upside down And I looked her up and found some um, article that she had written later. And in that, she says that she was like a, what do you call it? Like someone whose job was to create policy in um, local government. So she was someone who you would think would be able to notice this and figure it out and speak up. But that's the very insidious nature of um, coercive control. So what I've done is I've written a story that I shall read out to you, and that will hopefully paint um, a, a, a picture of the dynamics that can play out. So that's what we'll be doing today. Okay, here goes. Sarah is an engineer. She has always loved learning about how things work. The obsession started as far back as when she was three years old and broke the family clock to see what made it tick. (laughs) It's since developed into a full-fledged career. Though it's it's a mostly male-dominated field, she had been out there with the best of them and now has a job in a coveted multinational, making good pay. At 41, Sarah lives alone and is independent, something she's always prided herself in. She's had a few boyfriends, but... None. She's ever considered a serious contender for her hand for her hand in marriage. She recently met Matt. Off the bat, she could tell that it wouldn't work. He had an undercurrent of, of dodginess, <laughs> and his career path didn't match hers at all. He said he was in business, which could mean anything—from trend entrepreneur to um, a jobless thief. Bah. So. His very scant details just did not help her. But he's been making her happy, you know, both in life and in bed. And what's wrong with a single girl having a little fun? Hmm? (laughs) To Sarah, it's a harmless fling to while the time away. Matt is absolutely extravagant when it comes to her. They've been going out for only five weeks, and yet he's always at her side whenever she has an event. This has been a won- This has been wonderful for her, since everyone has always joked about her never needing the plus one invitation, since she always attends events on her own. <laughs> At first, she was a little unsure about having him attend family and work functions. After all, she didn't know him that well. But he chided about her wanting to keep him her dirty little secret, <laughs> and she succumbed to the request. It had worked out well since he was always the perfect gentleman and knew how to engage the crowd. Besides, he noted once she was lucky to have him or she'd be all alone. Sarah agreed. Melanie at work had one day pulled Sarah aside to say that Matt had hit on her. But Sarah was sure that Melanie must have misunderstood the interaction. Matt was such a charmer, so she must have just gotten things wrong. Matt absolutely dotes on um, Sarah. He always surprises her with little gifts and kind words. Whenever he buys her shoes, he does have a tendency to get a smile a size too small, and whenever she tells him that they don't fit, they both laugh as he says he can never remember what giant feet she has. (laughs) Sasquatch is his pet name for her. And it makes them both laugh, a private little joke that she finds cute. He will organize a thoughtful all-expense trip paid to Dubai at a moment's notice and give her cash to splurge on her shopping. A couple of times, she's had to cancel other plans that she had in order to accommodate the trip. He'll come unannounced to pick her up and tell her that she doesn't need to pack a bag because he'd buy her all that she needed, including a toothbrush. Oh, how romantic. Her friends have started to complain about it, saying that, you know, she's unreliable. Sarah is sure that they're just jealous. Matt agrees and suggested that maybe it's best that she spend less time with people who don't want what's best for her. After all, she's living a real-life fairy tale. On this day, he shows up at her door and has planned such a trip. It's however on a day when she has a family gathering. She was sure that she'd mentioned it to him. So he's surprised when he turns up on the day saying that he has plane tickets to London. London as in Maisha London. Oh my god. She's always wanted to go to the land of the Queen. Well well king now. He knew that he knew that about her. But she didn't have a visa, she stated. Not to worry, he responded. He'd greased all the right palms and gotten her one. He'd taken to keeping her passport since he planned most of their trips anyway. It was such an unusual arrangement that he'd managed to get her a visa in the form of a letter from the British High Commission to use as her travel papers. I'm very well-connected, babe, he said, waving the document in front of her. She couldn't read it and thought it strange that travel could be arranged without a visa affixed to her passport. But she did see what looked like an impressive insignia that she associated with the UK on this very heavy, weighty paper, as well as her name in caps had to be legit didn't it he was almost bouncing up and down as he said that all she needed to do was get in the car and they'd be on their way to the airport and then the business class tickets set awaited him but today's my mom's memorial she'd counted I, I i told you about it your mom's memorial is on thursday next week he said noting the actual anniversary date of her pass- of her passing. He looked at her quizzically, as though not understanding why she'd say that. Yes, but the family has decided to honor her this weekend, she replies. I-, I told you this, she goes on. You said you were excited to be coming along. Me? He asks in such a low tone, she almost misses it. Sarah's breath catches in her throat. She starts taking short, quick breaths, as his skin starts to crawl, you didn't tell me no such thing. He continues, in a flat tone so cold it's deadly. She makes a mental note of the double negative. In another universe, she's with another man, with whom they can laugh at such things, but not in the here and now. Who's this man you're making plans with behind my back? He asks quietly, unblinking eyes never leaving hers. My God, he's even met your family, he suddenly shouts. What kind of a common whore are you? At this, he pauses and takes a step back, as if half contemplating to himself, and then he raises his gaze with a horrified expression on his face, and he asks, Have you given me a disease? Sarah is so confused. She doesn't seem to understand what's going on. Before she can let out a sound, she hears him spew out with so much spite that she's taken aback. <laughs> it's a good thing you're barren. You're as barren as they come. You might have had his child. Sarah feels slapped. The barrage is relentless, and the onslaught as unexpected as a snowstorm on a hot summer day. er, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, is is all Sarah can manage in her confusion. Barren? She has time to think to herself. She'd confided in him about a miscarriage she'd had earlier in life, but had never expected it to be thrown back to her in her face in this way. She, however, doesn't have the mental capacity to stick to this point and get mad about it because of all the data that she's receiving. All she can do is hold on to the idea that she must be wrong. Mustn't she? Do you have any idea what kind of effort I've had to go through To get you that visa do you he shouts at the emphasis of the last syllable sarah flinches there's a part of her in another universe telling a calmer man that she didn't ask him to do anything but somehow she senses that this is not the appropriate response here she can only shake her head slowly lowering her eyes to the ground tears start filling her eyes Have you ever even heard of a visa in letter form? He asks, putting to words her previous thought on this. Can you imagine how much hobnobbing and palm greasing goes into such a feat? Sarah continues to shake her head no with her regard to the ground. And what kind of commoner doesn't even have a visa to the UK in the 21st century? (laughs) I mean, really, he puffs as he continues. Well, I'll tell you, he pronounces. I had to call in all manner of favors and spend money. More money than you even make in a month. (laughs) And that's even including your taxes. She flinches at the mention of her pay. She told him that she was worth much more than what she earned. She'd always felt that the dynamic at work was skewed against her as one of the handful of women in her team. And all for what? He all but spits out. So I can come here and learn that you've been cheating? That you've been a cheating slut all along? I'm not cheating, she manages to say through her whimpers. I I swear I'm not cheating. She notes a desperate edge to her voice that she doesn't quite care for. Who then did you tell about your elaborate family plans for the memorial? He asks, softening his tone a little, but with a hurt expression on his face. You know that I would have changed all my plans to be with you. You know that, don't you? Yes, she responds quickly and earnestly, eager to get back into his good graces. She's glad for the softer tone. She can't stand raised voices. She would do almost anything for the shouting to stop. Yes, you're you're wonderful to me. I thought I... It's my fault, he adds dejectedly to himself. I love you so much that I never considered you'd be able to betray me in this way. "I, I haven't betrayed you, she starts before he cuts her off go then go to the memorial with your new man he says a date to commemorate your mother's death he scoffs in disgust as if he had not just a second ago said he would have been her date he makes the idea of a date sound so base worldly and dirty i don't have she tries to defend herself before getting cut off again it's always the same with your type At the word type, he waves a disgusted hand in front of her, as though sizing up an unworthy pig for the slaughter. Always trying to take advantage of me. In an instant, his eyes glaze over into such a darkness that she shudders just looking at him. (sighs) This is all her fault, she thinks. She must have been wrong, surely. If he'd known about the memorial date, he wouldn't have gone through all this trouble and made any plans on the same day. They have such a nice time whenever they travel. He really looks into everything. And look how he's gone out of his way to even secure a visa for her. To the UK. She knows how difficult they are to secure. He must even have broken the law. His love for her has no bounds. And how how does she repay him? By keeping her plans to herself. How could she have been so short-sighted? They, they talk on the phone many times a day. He, he loves to video call her randomly throughout the day to tell her how beautiful she looks and how he loves her. Why didn't she take one of those opportunities to tell him about the memorial? She's so stupid. <sighs> yes, she thought she had, but that was clearly wrong. Who who had she told? He's so upset and dejected now that it's all her fault. Then she has an idea. Well, What if I don't go for this memorial, she says. It's been three years since mom passed. Only the first memorial really matters. The rest are just family organized formalities. In saying this, she puts aside the rising feeling in her body that this is wrong. She has been single-handedly preparing this memorial and it means a lot to her and her dad. He'd be heartbroken to hear that she was not attending. She even thinks that her mother up in heaven would be saddened. She puts aside all these feelings, even though she can locate them physically around her heart and turns the hopes to a solution with Matt. What do you say? Would that work? Then we can forget this whole misunderstanding. I don't want to spend my time with a stinking whore, he rebuffs quietly. I'm not going to London anymore. You've taken it all out of me, he sniffs. And besides, he adds, as if as an afterthought, Your dad already thinks I'm a gigolo. I don't want to give him any more ammunition in his arsenal of hatred. I don't know why I got myself tied up with such a selfish family. My dad doesn't hate you, she says. Somewhere, she records an accusation has been made against her family that shouldn't be allowed to sit unaddressed, but her mind is in jumbles. Yeah, you only say that because you don't see how he looks at me. In any case, I'm too sad now. No, I just feel so deflated. We would have had such a wonderful time, he adds with a wistful, faraway look. <sighs> Goodbye is the next thing he says with finality after a beat, and then he turns around and walks away. Matt! Sarah shouts, running after him. Matt, stop! But it's no use. He doesn't stop. He only takes a final sad look over his shoulder before he gets into his car and drives off. Sarah is left crying, inconsolably at her doorstep. She slowly walks into her home without thinking about it. She heads straight to the liquor cabinet and picks up the half-drunk bottle of wine that she has opened the day before. That it's 10 in the morning neither stops her nor phases her. She's been drinking a lot recently If she'd had the mental acuity to map it out, she'd have realized that her increase in alcohol consumption was directly related to her dating of Matt. But she doesn't consciously know why she's drinking. The alcohol has been giving her some solace. She dials her dad and tells him that she won't make it in for the memorial. She just doesn't have the energy. Her nerves and emotions are all jangled up together like electric wiring gathered up in a mess that sparks electric current every so often unexpectedly she feels very 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 low and drags herself and her bottle of wine no need for a glass for the damage that she intends to inflict all the way to her bed she shuts the blinds before she crawls into bed no need for the happy sun and the happy outside world to witness her sorry state. most of all she feels shame shame with a capital s shame at missing her mom's memorial shame at having let matt down shame at having let her dad and her family down shame at having let herself down shame at being herself this creature that cannot get anything right <sighs> she that is no good for anyone else why is she even here Maybe the world would be a better place if she were dead. The person that she'd been just five short weeks before would have had a very different experience on that day. She wouldn't have recognized this version of herself. She wouldn't have accepted this strange narrative or even considered the blame that she's being, that's being that was being leveled against her. She'd be spending time with her family and her friends on this day. This, ladies and gentlemen, what coercive control looks like i once read a book um papillon it's got a super gruesome ending i i I actually don't remember what the story was about but i remember how it ended it ends with a guy being killed in a super gross way He's, he's put on the path of like um safari ants and um the safari ants kill him one bite at a time And that to me is really the imagery that comes when I think of coercive control. It's just tiny, tiny, tiny little pushes and shoves and nudges here and there that lead the person to doubt themselves and to rethink their own reality. I'll read you an extract that I got online and I'll put um, the link in the show notes that is some kind of um, definition. Covert abuse, on the other hand, is extremely difficult to recognize. Small, subtle, petty, and seemingly insignificant manipulative behaviors played out and repeated over time and interspersed with changing tactics, about turns, and generous, kind, and loving acts and behaviors gradually brainwash the victim whilst remaining almost completely undetectable to anyone else. Simultaneously, The abuser works to undermine the victim's self-belief and the trust between her and her friends and family, using sly jokes, smear tactics, guilt trips, crazy-fying, to cast aspersions on her integrity and the integrity of her support network. The coercive nature of the control means that you may not always be aware yourself that something's going on. So the best guard is to trust your instincts. If your gut tells you that something is wrong, it probably is. Let's trust our guts. Let's keep safe out there.